No, no tall order. Right. So I'm going to call an audible and go to comments in the interim before we go to some of the other games. Uh, Brian, do we have any comments we can flash up there? I know there's there's folks out there watching tonight. God, it's plenty. There really is, Cali. It's, it's great. Great. Great, great interaction this evening. Unfortunately for Mark, you can imagine that where most of the interaction is coming from. Um, so I'd have to put up a few ideas. Um, Keith, our resident Dolphins fan, he must have had a late night Saturday night. Pat's tried to do a Miami Miracle. Mark and I know about the Miami Miracle. It, it kind of reminded me of that play a couple of years ago when the Dolphins found the one. When we, when we won a Super Bowl, Brian. When we won a Super Bowl. That's what I remember about that season. Grand, grand playing safety in, in the backfield. Um, um, the most hilarious play I've ever seen. Absolute gold. Sorry, Mark. Um, unfortunately, it, it, it's the it's the team. Here we go. Uh, Declan. Um, Benny Hill music in the background. Yeah. So it's... <laughs> I, I could go on with these, and I'll try to jump into some other ones re referencing other games. You could actually go on with them if you want, Brian. I don't know. <laughs> no, there's, there's too many. There's too many, Callum. Ah, that's terrible. A, a show dedicated to that to that touchdown. Um, I excuse the language. Um, Fred is a resident Cowboys fan. He's upset by the coaching. Um, he's not been the greatest of Mike McCarthy's uh, fans, the head coach of the Cowboys. And as always, uh, when they lose, Fred is quick to uh, point out the flaws in which he's... He feels he's uh, working with uh, own um, evening lads. He's our Chargers fan. He's actually very happy today. Having having won last night. Genie Mac does so many notes. <laughs> well, um, we could go back for a bit more. Maybe keep them coming yeah, in, folks. Yeah, because uh, we've in, got um, we've got a fair few games to go here. So um, I'm gonna do some in-game management. And tell you guys to compress your thoughts a little bit because otherwise we won't get through them all tonight. So we're gonna go next to the Chiefs at the Texans. Um, Chiefs, they're, they're like I love watching the Chiefs, but they're mad. Like they'll kind of like decide to just throw loads of points away, and or they'll go way behind and then they'll come back. It's I suppose it's kind of why they're fun to watch. But anyway, uh, they just got it over the line this week, uh, thirty to twenty four, um, and that's isn't that that makes them the AFC West uh, champions, isn't that right? So um, maybe Colm, I'll take you uh, maybe get your thoughts initially on this one with the Chiefs and the Texans. What uh, what what was your takeaway on that game? Yeah, se seventh AFC West title in a row for Andy Reid and uh, the Chiefs. He owns the the West. And yesterday, Pat Mahomes had a a, a very good game. But really that's that's about the only thing that you could say was very good about the the chiefs i mean this was a texans team who were absolutely decimated by injury this is the texans team who are going with this kind of weird quarterback system where they're playing the two they're even more so than the saints because the saints obviously have been doing this for years with drew Brees and Taysom hale and um, we, we've seen Jacoby Brissett in his backup era kind of would come in sometimes on QB sneaks. But the Texans very often bring Jeff Driscoll in. And Jeff Driscoll is a man who, uh, a, Q, a QB throughout his career, but a man who uh, was um, going to transition to be a tight end just over a year ago. And yet the Texans are rolling with this two QB system. And they almost, uh, you know, caught the, the Chiefs yesterday. I think there are big, big questions about this Chiefs defense, and that would be a concern for them in the, the playoffs. But I also think their attitude. I mean, I think you you saw it last week against the Broncos and against the Texans. They went into both of these games. They were the, the fancy team. They were expected to do the business, and they thought it would be very, very easy. 
So Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid need to, uh, I think, circle the wagons. They need to talk to the defense, but they also need to sort out the attitude because um, they, they have, it's been real easy in the AFC West, but it will not be nearly as easy come playoff time. Absolutely. Um, okay, I'm going to head over to the distinguished gentleman himself, uh, uh, Eddie Murphy reference for you there, Mark. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Very, very nice. Very nice. I might see Bowfinger come up, actually, as well. Um, uh, yeah, I, do you know, it's seven seven years in a row they've won the AFC West column. Is it seven they've been top of that division? And and seven times the Broncos haven't made the playoffs. Okay, that's right. I'm just going to share some pain around uh, Gallo, basically, as well. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Um, but no, uh, I actually fully agree with Colm. I mean, the Texans have been surprising two weeks in a row there. We alluded to their performance against the Cowboys last week as well. Um, Lovey Smith is coaching up a, a group of very raw players there, and frankly, he's better than that team deserves. I think every... Badness that befalls uh, the Texans and indeed the Cleveland quarterback who shall remain nameless uh, can only be deserved going forward generally. Um, so um, look, they're a bad team, but the Chiefs seem to play down to their opposition. I mean, they can play up when it really needs to as well. We've seen that in games plenty of times. Um, and it is good to see the fact that, as I predicted actually, that Mahomes wouldn't lose too much on offense with the loss of Tyreek Hill, that they would make up 80% with other parts, and they do still have Travis Kelsey as a complete difference maker. But giving up 24 points to the Texans, that defense is not getting consistent pressure. That offense can go off the boil when they play down. It's, you know, yes, playoff spot secured, tick box. Division title secured, tick box. Now they're worrying about trying to get the first seed back off the Bills with slipping up a couple of weeks ago. And then how far and how deep do you go in the playoffs? Because that team, like the Bills, like maybe, you know, maybe the Eagles would look at, only it's going to be Super Bowl or bust in terms of success this season. Um, mm-hmm. And since three years ago, it's been bust. So maybe uh, they need to turn that around again. Well, time will tell. Indeed. Brian, what about you? What's your takeaway on this one and the Chiefs? I, I think the guys have summed it up very well. A lot yeah. of similarities to last week's game with the Texans in terms of how they played and ultimately came up short. And it took a Davis Mills interception in in, in overtime to get the, the Chiefs over the line. Um, Marcus referenced the seven titles in a, what I would say about every year prior to this when they go into the playoffs. Like in, again, Colin team to the, the big expectations that team, this team has going into the playoffs. But right now they're stuttering into the playoffs. I mean, we're talking about them getting the number one. See it. I mean, they may not even hang on to the number two seed with the way the Bengals are playing at the moment because one more loss and the Bengals could be leapfrogging them into into second place because they have the, the tiebreaker over them. I'm looking at the games and we still got left and they're, they're winnable. But right now, the way they're playing, you just don't know. They play the Seahawks at home, they play the Broncos at home, and they, they finish in, in Vegas against the Raiders. And the Raiders are so Jekyll and Hyde, you wouldn't know what kind of performance the Raiders will put in on that night. So, look, they've got to keep winning, but it is a concern. Like everybody throughout the course of the week was saying, because they were so inconsistent last week in their win, that they would definitely, in terms of how they played against the Broncos, and how they, the Broncos reacted to being 27 down, the complacency that set in with the Chiefs side, we thought we'd see a, a really good re- reaction to that this week. Didn't didn't unfold whatsoever. So it's two weeks in a row where they've been getting over the line, 
interested to see if they're back home this weekend. That's probably a huge factor. So interesting to see how they get on. Maybe stuttering into the playoffs is the best thing this year. Maybe that will give them the added encouragement and added focus when they get into the playoffs, not to be so uh, complacent and, and put t- put t- put together. Because on their day, when they put it together, they, they are going to be the best team in the league. Yeah, no doubt. Mark, I saw you throwing your, yeah. your head there. Cal, I was just thinking, though, I mean, just one bit of balance on it. It is first world problems. Like any one of the four mm-hmm. of us would definitely love for our teams to go trading places with uh, <laughs> the Chiefs. <laughs> All right. Yeah, very good. Okay. Uh, I hope there's some Eddie Murphy fans out there who are appreciating all of these. Uh, okay. Uh, let's t- let's talk Bengals and Bucks. Uh, so if I didn't see this one, but from what I understood, there was a sort of a 17 nil scenario and then it came back and in the end it was 34, 23, uh, second half performance there. Um, so always nice to see Tom Brady not doing well, uh, for those of us who dislike him on sort of an equal measure to the Pats or to the Cowboys or whatever your chosen team you decide to hate. I think it's better to throw love into this world, but nevertheless, um, how about you, Brian? Let's start with you this time. What's your takeaway on this Bengals box game? The Bengals team that are getting hot at the right time, just touched on it there in terms of them trying to get in their in the in the jostling positions to be potentially the fourth seed or the second seed. But um they didn't turn up in the first half and they were down seventeen they finished seventeen three at half time and you're going against Tom Brady despite the fact that he's on the wrong end of his career at this stage. He still he was eighty nine. You know, in games in which he's had seventy, he's eighty nine. I thought he was forty five. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks good. Of, you're you're the one that said you'd have a stat. I'm giving you a nice stat there. In, <laughs> I know, I'm only messing with you. That's great stuff. He, he's never been beaten in not in throughout his course of his career, but he's had a seventy point lead in any game. But yet, yesterday in the second half, it was a complete unfolding of them. But ultimately, it was also a great performance from the Bengals because the Bengals, in particular, the second half performances over the past five to six games has been dominant. We saw how they came back against the Chiefs. Saw last week in terms of how they put the Browns away. They didn't have huge numbers yesterday, 227 total yards, but they did intercept Brady. Brady had four turnovers in the game, and then also there was one turnover on a, a fake punt, which clearly uh, Bernard wasn't wasn't ready for, or he wasn't aware that the play that was called. So effectively, that's another turnover. So five turnovers in the second half in the game completely changed, and the Bengals came roaring back, and in the end, the score was a very fair reflection despite them being down 73 at half time never felt like they were really out of the game and the books still remain in top of the division despite the poor record in which they have six and six and eight now and uh, because of the nature of, of that division down south it's not great they'll probably end up in the playoffs but i mean at this stage it's there's very little to say about them for the Bengals, it's a great win to go on the road no matter where no matter where tom brady is in his, in his career to go on the road and beat brady it's a big big positive sign for that team who are only going in one direction and that's to be up there challenging the Bills and the mm. Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl from the AFC side come February. Yeah, yeah, fair play to them indeed. All right, uh, Colm, I might turn to you just for your take on this one with the Bengals in the books. Um, any any other interesting ones to add or thoughts to add to that? Yeah, everything uh, came to a shuddering halt for me there uh, five minutes ago when we were on the last game, and I thought it was a homage to what happened to Eddie Murphy's career recently. Um, <laughs> but we're all back on, on track now. Uh, my, in terms, look, um, only Tom Brady could be 
uh, sitting at, at six and eight and yet atop his division. Truly, it is Tom Brady's universe. And uh, Mark likes to, to mention that the Patriots hadn't named offensive coordinators, but they did have Josh McDaniels calling the play as the QB coach. He was uh, assigned to call plays, as was Bill O'Brien, uh, back when Tom Brady was with the, the Patriots and not some random special teams lad or a failed uh, head coach who uh, was a defensive coordinator. For uh, Todd Bowles and the Bucks, it is like even like it's it's very difficult um things went right for them in munich because they 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 of course went right for tom brady on the big stage but outside of that nothing has worked for the the bucks this season and um for, for the bengals once again getting hot at the the right time i i think brian has kind of summed up the the game really well for the bengals it is all about the run-in now to see where what exactly they've they you know finishes in terms of the the seeds and that's why it the last few weeks will matter so much in the afc side because you know one slip from the bills the chiefs or the Bengals, and it could all uh, be very very different very different indeed mark what about you? Any additional thoughts or insights on the game? No, I mean, the guys have summed up really well. I mean, the box position is remarkable, really. Three teams behind there who keep jostling to to lose any momentum. They're all five and nine, and the Bucks finished their season cards, Panthers, Falcons, I think. I mean, they still must be looking at that and thinking, we should be able to get two out of three there. Um, and, of course, even if they get the wrong two, they still might lose the control of their own destiny. Um, but... Um, they're not going to do anything in the postseason. Uh, they don't have a run game. Their defense has kept them in games and then starts to look tired towards the back end of games because they're having to pick up so much of the heavy lifting. You're asking a 45-year-old man to, to keep throwing down the field with shaky protection as well, and I'm not going to be a Tom Brady apologist here like Tony Romo is because I think Tony Romo makes excuses for every single poor decision he makes. Um but it's not a recipe for success. The offensive line isn't where it is. They don't have a run game. Um, teams don't win that way. I mean, it's it's actually historically one of the worst run games in the league. And the Bengals, you know, like, when it looked like they were asleep for the first half, completely showed their class in the second half. They can uh, go on a run and make a difference again. It's great to see Jamar Chase back healthy and doing damage um, regularly. And... That offensive line, which obviously ended last postseason so terribly, um, although they were in the Super Bowl, they were very poor in protecting Joe Burrow. Very A lot of growing pains in the first six weeks of this season have really started to gel and properly protecting him. And if you give someone with that talent and the wide receivers he has time, he can pick apart anyone and any defense. But in many respects, Cal, it's the year of the boomerang. Um, we've had more comebacks. Thank you. Uh, we've had more comebacks than ever before in the NFL, more comebacks from 10-plus points through week 15, and more comebacks from 17-plus. We had two this weekend. We just alluded to the, the Bucks being up and then the Cowboys being up by 17. So is 17 that new dangerous lead? You know, 2-0 is a dangerous lead in soccer, as they nearly proved in the World Cup. So 17-up uh, um, doesn't seem to be safe anymore. Not anymore. Okay, well, give it 48 hours or another 48 hours and we'll see how, we'll see how we feel about it then. Okay, um, I think we'll keep, we'll keep pushing on and we'll do a few more comments in a little bit. But um, 
I wanted to talk to you about uh, the Giants at the Commanders. So, Brian, I assume you stayed up till crazy o'clock to watch this one. Of course, why wouldn't you? Um, 2012 was the final score. Uh, tell us your thoughts after this game. <laughs> what, how did you feel? Uh, Corey Hart had a song on the Beverly Hills Cup soundtrack called Hold On. And uh, that's what the Giants do. They make you hold on to the very end, which resulted in, in, in a bedtime of 4.40 a.m. Um, look, I, I was very confident going into this game. People were talking to the commanders. They were the favourites. I was genuinely very surprised because having watched the game two weeks ago, the Giants shot themselves in the foot so many times. And I felt if they corrected the wrongs of that particular game, never mind some of the frailties that they showed recently, they would put themselves in a position to win. But look, there's one marquee player for the Giants last night, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau. He's been the rookie class from, from last April. He's, he was their first pick in, in number five. And gradually, as the season has gone on, he's been improving and improving. And last night was his kind of come-to-town come to game. He was fantastic. It wasn't so much but the fact he wasn't getting sacks. He obviously got the, the, what the grand slam, as they called it, on the commentary last night. He, he, stripped the, he stripped the quarterback. He recovered it. He went in for the touchdown. It was more so his overall play. He was closing down players. I mean, Colin touched on a, a particular play when we played Jacksonville a few weeks ago when, where Etienne, the running back, was gone down the line and, and Thibodeau ran 40, 50 yards to, close, to put him down. And it was one big change point in that game. Colin Wright called it at the time that there's a player that people were questioning his commitment to playing the game because of, his, because of what he wants to do off the field. But again, last night, it was so many similar plays. And on the last drive in particular, when it looked like Taylor Tyler Hunting was going in for a touchdown, he was the man. Again, the one-man wrecking ball that stopped them. Giants got back to doing what they were doing throughout the early part of the season, which was don't turn the ball over, uh, get Saquon moving, get Daniel Jones moving, and, and just methodically have drives. And You can't get more methodical than a 70-yard dri drive with taking eight minutes off the clock and then resulting in a Saquon Barkley touchdown. It's a great win. It puts the Giants in a really strong position now. They only need one more win to essentially wrap up their position in the playoffs. Um, You'd like to think that game against the Colts on New Year's Day would be the game that they're earmarking, but who knows, the way the Vikings were at the weekend, you wouldn't know what you were going to get from them. They're so up and down, but a uh, great win, and uh, I wasn't surprised, and obviously I was cock-a-hoop at 20 to 5 in the morning, and then was back up two hours later. Fair play to you, like a vampire in Brooklyn. All right, uh, I'm going to go over to you, Mark. Uh, take, give us your thoughts on on the on the Giants and the and the. <laughs> the and you just game. The, and the game was in Washington, in fairness, but I was going to leverage in the Vampire in Brooklyn line as well, Callum. So yeah, <laughs> good man yourself. Um, yeah, look, it wasn't the most entertaining game of all time. I'm sure Brian feels differently, given the result went the right way. Um, but the Giants got back to basics. They got back to, you know, having a strong performance on defense. And you're absolutely right. Kayvon, uh, Tuadu, Brian really burst on. He's actually a chess, uh, big chess fan. He's uh, played it since he was a young kid and everything. And there were times it looked like he was playing checkers, uh, to be honest. He was making it look very easy, taking apart the commander's offensive line. Um and the Giants had a great winning formula at the start of the season, and it was pretty damn simple. It was, we're going to run the ball, we're going to rely upon Daniel Jones to make 10 or 20 key plays at various times and tell him and, and give him the structure to succeed. We're going to have a very strong defense, especially on third down. It might give up yards, but we won't, you know, it would be the epitome of bend up break. And when the game really matters, like this is a winning formula for any team in the fourth quarter, they're going to make the big plays. And strangely, 
This seemed to be a winning formula for multiple weeks in a row. Um, even when they were down 10 points to the Packers in London, I thought they'd come back. They did. They were down on other weeks. They came back. Um, this, nobody's going to write home about this game. But though you write home about it, given the position it now puts the Giants in with the tiebreaker over the Commanders, um, which could be critical, given game and a half to only a half game, um, in terms of the playoff potential. We've talked about the Lions sniffing around. We talked about the Seahawks sniffing around. Things were looking a bit dicey for New York there, but it puts them back not just in control of their own destiny, but in the driving seat uh, in terms of that potential to get into the wild card. And once you get in, who knows? Last two Giants, Super Bowls, Brian, I believe you were six seed both, time, both times, the lowest possible wild card at the time, and they went on to lift the Lombardi. Can't think of who they played in those finals and uh, Super Bowls and made me feel even crapper then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a great night. <laughs> All right. Uh, Colin, what's your take on it? <laughs> um, well, I, for, firstly, yeah, I mean, look, Brian Dable has done um, a heck of a job. We have talked about that throughout the, the season. Um, and I think Brian and Mark have done a good job summing up many aspects but the one aspect that hasn't been talked about um, and it was it was a factor across the league yesterday some of those refereeing decisions were ridiculous and I say that as somebody who watched my team get one on a two-pointer um, Kareem Jackson used DeAndre Hopkins as a climbing frame and got away with it um, but the Giants absolutely got away with some there at the end. And the truly baffling one, I mean, if if Terry McLaurin really got told by the, the ref he was good, only for the ref to throw the flag, that made zero uh, sense whatsoever. Um, so to me, you know, th this is one of the more, and, and referees are human and they're going to, to make mistakes and that will happen. We have the benefit of um, instant replay and, and slow motion, but it, I think it's the inconsistency at times um, because you just don't know what, what you're, what you're going to get and players don't know what they're going to get. You saw it in other games yesterday. You saw Patrick Mahomes um, get taken down at one point, um, which it seemed, seemed like, you know, that that's just a tackle. But we have seen throughout the year, um, you know, other other teams um, uh, get done for roughing the passer. We've seen flags thrown. So for players and particularly for defensive players, it is really difficult to understand what is um, DPI, what is roughing the passer. Um, and um, I, I, I would... You'd love to think the NFL might sort some of this out, but given that it is the year 2022 and we still have no idea what a catch is and what constitutes a catch, um, and given that, you know, I mean, again, we, we talked about a little bit um, yesterday, Brian, about like the, um, or uh, in terms of the Vikings and, you know, the, the, the two touchdowns and, like the, basically the refs blowing it up early and the fact that even it, when it comes to what the refs are where they blow the whistle like sometimes they blow it up sometimes they don't sometimes they allow a rolling mall essentially other times they don't um, and I just think in a multi multi-billion dollar industry there might be 
a better way of, of uh, doing it occasionally. Um, we've had Dean Blandino on the show a number of times. Uh, I think we all remember how upset Sean Payton was when the league allowed Dean to walk away. And some of that, I think, was because of Dean's frustrations with the way in which uh, refereeing was handled and the way in which change uh, happened at a glacial pace because of the owners. So um, kudos to the Giants, really interested to see what they can can do over the course of the last couple of games. And, And another example of just how important coaching is um, and then maybe Brian, at this point, um, are there any other comments that uh, might be uh, might be worth putting up? Uh, I know that Fred yeah. is interested. Just, in the, just before yeah. just before we move off the officiating, though, Colm. I mean, the officials can't even see that someone's foot is in the whitewash. Like Kingman Cole's foot was in the whitewash. It isn't that bloody hard to see. You just need eyes for that one. That's all. Actually, Mark, that's a fair point because on NBC's coverage last night prior to the game. They actually said if, if if that game was an NBC game, that touchdown wouldn't have been given because with the 4K cameras in which they have on Sunday Night Football, which you can literally zoom in literally on, on top of the toe, if they were in a position to use those cameras as opposed to the three or four that they had available to them in Vegas, it wouldn't have been a touchdown. Um, can I make a quick point on the... Uh, sorry, I want to make a quick point on the particular play in which got him is a little bit... Um, and Ron Rivera said it very well afterwards. He says, why, why is my player asking the referee if, he, if he's in the correct position? Surely my, my own player should know if he's in the correct position instead of standing a yard and a half back from the scrimmage line. Um, he, did have, he did have a rant about other decisions throughout the course of the game. Um, but it wasn't the best weekends for, for decision-making across the league. There was, in particular, the, the Vikings game, as we discussed on, on, on yesterday. But having seen a, a taunting, and I know how Colin feels about the taunting rule, especially as the Giants owner was one of the key people to get that uh, rule introduced. When you see a Giants player getting done for taunting when he's only going off to congratulate his own player, Two weeks ago, and um, I'm not going to feel any pity for uh, decisions that went their way because I've been on the wrong end, as we all have been on the wrong end of decisions late in the night at 4:40 a.m. 